Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Knuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Thunderous Applause, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Plus, our coaching focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co host, Jason Sunkel. Featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Today we'll talk about the Pistons' last few games, two losses against the Jazz and Bucks and one win against the Miami Heat. Then we'll talk general Pistons, things such as Seku's minutes, Stewart's play, Blake and, Ro- uh, Blake and Derek Rose, Jeremy Grant, and then we'll go around the NBA at about a 30-minute mark, and we'll talk issues such as the COVID, hardened trade, and OKC winning on the rebuild, and a few other things. Bryce, as usual, I'll open with you. Uh, what's your take of, uh, of last week's game? You know, we, first first game against Jazz, we'll, we'll go straight to that one. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing we saw with that Jazz game was the consistently slow starts that this team has has become accustomed to and not to jump ahead but we finally saw that change a little bit with the Miami game but you know staying with U- the Utah game and even Milwaukee like we just continue to have slow starts we saw Josh Jackson return to the lineup but still struggled a little bit and but the one thing that's been great about this team and I think this is where people have to give Dwayne Casey some credit and these players some credit they never never give up I've watched so many of these games where I really thought we were going to get blown out by 30 or 40. And Utah was one of those games. I was like, man, this is going to be a blowout. And we fought back, we fought back, and you know, even had a chance late in the game. So I think if, if we can consistently get over those slow starts, that would be a thing that would really help us uh, uh, get a few more wins. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Casey even said it. You know, we might have to toy around the lineup. Alex, what was your take on the Jazz game? Yeah, Bryce here hit it right on the head. Uh, the slow start in the game kind of killed us. And that, that was, uh, something that we had issues with throughout the season. And, you know, Casey uh, mentioned it in some, in an interview saying we have to make some changes maybe in the starting lineup. Who knows? But our slow, our start, our starting is so slow that, you know, we lose games because of it. Um, and obviously he made some adjustments. Uh, and other than that, you know, we, if if we have a good start, we can keep up with good teams. You know, we had a good start against uh, the Jazz or the the Bucks, I believe. Uh, no, the the Bucks was also bad, twenty seven thirteen in the first quarter. But the games that we were close in the first quarter, we won or we were losing by just a few points. Yeah, that's been a consistent theme of the season. You know, the bad starts. And then we kind of just get down 20, you know, if it happened in Phoenix, it happened with Phoenix. And um, it's, you know, it's something to just keep on going. And I don't know what, if we just have to toy around and start lineup. 
and I keep thinking about it, but you know, who do you who do you move around? Because I think that's gonna alternate minutes, and I don't think Blake is willing to come off the bench either. Uh, Jeremy clearly is not gonna come off the bench. I don't see Plumley. I don't see that need for him to come off the bench. So that doesn't give you much room. You know, Rose is clearly coming off the bench because Casey said that. So really, the shooting guard position, I feel like, is the only one that can really you know toy around with. But other than that, um, you know, it's uh, to me, I think it's just a matter of, of just adjusting and trying to start games better. I don't think it's a lineup thing. It might just be a a mental thing, you know. Yeah, I I I I agree with you because if you look at the th- and this goes in what uh, Bryce said. If you look at the third quarter, we start the third quarter great against the Jazz, for example. We won that quarter twenty eight to seventeen. So maybe I don't know, change the warm up or something. <laughs> Just get these guys pumped or play different music in in, in their headphones. I don't know, but uh, something is happening in the locker room that gets these guys motivated. They need to translate that or bring that uh, at the beginning of the game. Yeah, honestly, about the Jazz game, the only thing that I was kind of worried about is Grant looked a little bit tired in the fourth, and I was like, oh, man, like, is he, you know, is he playing too many minutes? Is this too much of a load? But then kind of just uh, shut me up real quick with the next few games. So that was good. And then uh, what was your take on the Bucks game, Bryce? I feel like we just have no chance against the Bucks this yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean – that's what I, I kind of wanted to tweet it out because I think a lot of Piston fans were discouraged with that game. And, and I just wanted to say they're way better than us. And they should be. Like we're in completely opposite ends in terms of where the organizations are. They're, they're competing for a championship and we're quote unquote rebuilding or whatever we want to call it. And they're a better team than us. And they showed it. Like Bobby Portis is coming off the bench for them, getting buckets. And we had the worst first quarter of the year, so we you know we continue with this trend we're talking about. And I just say you know Pistons Twitter would love it if we would change up the starting lineup because they're tired of seeing Wayne Ellington start at the shooting guard spot. But Josh Jackson has struggled since he returned from his in- injury. Um, but this game wasn't even as close as the score, kind of like the other two Bucks games when we talked about them last week. Again, they fought, they made it respectable. A few guys here and there had some good games. But the Bucks are just better than us. And Derrick Rose didn't play, and that didn't help. And I wasn't even going to be upset about this game at all if yeah. Seku played even one minute. That yeah. was my biggest issue with this game. I'm like, I understand when we're trying to win games, and it's I'm fine with that. You know, like, overplay the veterans. If You, you know, we're going to get to that OKC winning in the rebuild, right? It's the same sure. thing that we're trying to do. And Weaver has hammered that, you know, he almost double bet on that. It's like, I right, like, I'm not like, I'm going down swinging. So I like that. And, um, can we talk about that quote at some point? Like it doesn't have to be right now. But absolutely. That quote, that quote is legendary and it is all <laughs> over Twitter. So like, we don't have to do it right now, but sometime before we're done, we gotta, we gotta read that quote off and talk about that quote. Yeah, it's, it's right on our Instagram page. You know, if, if people want to go see it, they can just go check it out. But uh, we'll get the general piston section. We'll, we'll talk about that and a few other things, of course. Uh, but they, yeah, that, uh, about the Bucks, you know, I have no expectations about the game. I think um, the only issues I had with Seku not getting minutes, honestly, has Blake dunked this season? Honestly, this is, this is an honest question to you guys because I think by the stats or what I've searched, it shows that he hasn't dunked this season. So to me, I have a big worry I have, about that. I, I think can't I was, remember. And remember, 
but not in the season. I think I've seen him not in the preseason, not in the season, but in the preseason. <laughs> so wow. that count. So, cool. you know <laughs> we, guys, we joked about this. Remember, after one of the preseason games, somebody, one of the opposing teams' announcers were clowning him about losing his athleticism, and I have it in my notes for the Buck games. His athleticism really is gone. Got, I mean, it's gone. Gone. He, he's not explosive. He can't. I mean, I'm sure he can dunk, but. He, he can barely guard on the perimeter. It's gone. And I don't know that it's about getting in shape or anything like that. I don't know what you guys think, but I, I just think it's gone. There's too many surgeries, age, father time has, has taken its toll on Blake's athleticism. I was just going to say, all three of us has played, have played basketball, uh, at least collegiate basketball. And honestly, I've been to pros in my 10th year, and I've seen so many guys that just, it just happens It just in a blink of an eye they lose it and they lose their legs. And it, I think it happened to Blake Griffin. I think for him, of course, the injuries has something to do with it. I think he doesn't have rhythm yet either. So I'll give him that. You know, I don't think he's like, he's found his rhythm yet, you know, coming back from the injury. But I really think his athleticism as far as explosiveness and the vertical ability are gone. Like that's out of window. I think we got to, and I think that's going to cost us in the trade. Yeah, I agree with you guys. His athleticism is gone. But also I was thinking about, you know, did he have an opportunity maybe to show if he still has it? Or he always, you know, he all he likes on any to cut. I mean, on any cut, he, he should be able to dunk it if he was the old Blake Griffin. I feel like that's just, yeah, I don't know, like or any. Alex, <laughs> Alex, where I think it shows up the most is he gets guys up in the air with his pump fake at the three-point line. And he still can't go by. Yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that too. It's like one pump fake side dribble and he goes up. And I've seen a few cuts where he kind of like tried to reverse layup and all this finesse stuff. That's not – I mean, I, I don't mind it. I think he's, he's doing a pretty good job at it. It's not like he's, um, you know, he's shooting a bad percentage or whatever it is. He's playing pretty well for us. I'm not, but – is not the Blake Griffin that um, you know we kind of expected, and also what's crazy is that he's only thirty-one years old. So I think it's mostly the injuries that really you know took a toll on him. But um, it's it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for us going down the road, and we'll we'll get to the Blake Griffin part in general Pistons, and we can talk more about Blake Griffin there. But right now, I want to move the Heat game. Man, best game of the year by far. I honestly, that week, was. Yeah. That was our blue. It was like a blueprint win for us. Like this is this is how we want to play, and this is how we're going to be successful. Bryce, what's your take on that? And I want to hear all the Isaiah Stewart. Go ahead, go for it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the beef stew, as Twitter likes to call him, had him his first double double, and it's going to be one of many. And and he looked really really good. He got the minutes. I do. I like that about Casey. He's kind of gone back and forth those center spots but whenever Stewart has played well and brought that energy he stayed with him and we do have to make note I mean out of complete fairness and transparency Miami was depleted COVID protocols and all that stuff but but the the Pistons played really get well I thought it was Grant's best wire to wire all around game defense pick and roll isolation making shots Rose looked good making shots and I thought Blake Griffin played his best game as well. 
I mean, a lot, I feel like a lot of guys played their best game, and I think it was just it was kind of clicking uh, for everybody. And uh, I mean, Jeremy Grant has been short, nothing short. Like it, it's impressive what he's doing right now. Is even if you remember, I said in the preseason, I was like. We got him because we want him to be our Kawhi. We got him because we want him to be our all-star. And so many doubts, so many questions around this. And honestly, even I, like, I knew what he was coming here for. And I still didn't think he can do it at this level. I mean, it's really, really. I'm an average in 24, you know, like, mm, tough, tough. Actually, he's averaging more than 24, I think. But he had what he had twenty four points, nine rebounds, six six four blocks, two steals last night, shooting fifty two percent from the field, and fifty from the three point line. I mean, that's your superstar right there. That's your that's your that's your next max player, Bryce. I call it right now. Yeah. Yes. Alex, what was your take on the on, on the Miami Heat game? It was a great game. It was a great game, and man, I just I just love Grant like you guys do. Uh, you know, I I was expecting him to carry the team and stuff like that, but not in this way. You know, it, it's a big surprise, and I love it. He continues to do it day in and day out every game, and uh, he's not just doing it on the offensive end; he's doing it on the defensive end as well. Uh, you know, he's rebounding, passing the ball. He's just great to watch. He has so much confidence in him right now that he can just do whatever. Um, and also, you know, against the Heat, we got Euros back. He had a huge game as well. And I think that was kind of maybe the the missing link, uh, you know, somebody to come off the bench and de- deliver the stats that he delivered. Um, and, uh, you know, overall, it was just a great game. I mean, we know that he was not in the full roster, but it was a huge boost for us. Yeah, and the only thing I want to mention about the Heat game also is just we have to be patient with Josh Jackson. It, you know, it's only been a week since he's been back, and he's been struggling shooting the ball. But I don't question. I think what he's shown the first few games is, is the Josh Jackson we're going to get. I'm, I'm very confident in that. And, um, you know, that's that's really not not an issue for me. I think it's just a matter of rhythm. You know, he probably came back. He wasn't really 100% ready. So we really have to, you know, understand that. He, and now he, we're going to move. Uh, go ahead. No, I just, just real quick on Josh Jackson because he – He's still doing it defensively, hustling, all that stuff. And you could see the weight lifted off his shoulders. He hit a corner three and he literally turned and like kissed his hands and like put him out to like the basketball gods. Kind of like <laughs> saying, we've all been there before. I, I'm sure we've all gone through a slump where it's like. They thank, exist. Yes, they do exist. I believe in them wholeheartedly. But like, <laughs> like, thank you guys for finally letting me put one in the basket. And you could just, you could almost see the weight lifted off of his shoulder. So I thought that was great for him. And you're right. We do got to be patient. He'll return to form eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And now we'll go, guys. We'll go general Pistons. Uh, from now on, as as you, all of our listeners are going to use this, it's we're going to talk about last games, last two, three, four games that we had a week prior to us recording this podcast and then uh, we'll go to a general piston section and uh, for today you know we're going to focus on Seku's minutes we're going to focus focus on Stewart we're going to talk a little bit plumly because I really can't wait to argue with Bryce <laughs> about this I don't even know if it's necessary to talk about Jeremy Grant anymore because he's he's fabulous and I really want to go into Rose and Griffin and uh, 
even plumly maybe at that point where how important are they as veterans you know how important is it to keep them fresh and, and all this other stuff but first Bryce, what's your take on Seku? I know you're pretty active on Twitter. Uh, since you handle our Twitter account, I saw you're pretty active about, um, pretty angry about him not getting minutes yeah. at that, uh, yeah. <laughs> that Bucks yeah. game. Yeah, Pistons fans, a lot of people felt the same way you did about the, the Bucks game. That, you know, the thing they really were upset about was Seku didn't get minutes. And it's funny because not that we're going to talk about Svi right now, but in the Heat game, it was the same thing. People were mad because in the Heat game, they were happy with everything other than Svi's minutes. Um, but to stay on Sekou, I, I think what a lot of people would like to see is just Sekou get a chance with consistent rotations just to find out. And I think so a lot of the people that, that defend him say, you don't see him do anything bad. So why isn't he getting the minutes? So I think a lot of people, even if it's you know two six minute stretches or two eight minute stretches, but a lot of games, it's just been like four minutes here and that's it or not at all. And I, I do, I, I, I tend to agree with him. I think with where we're at right now and what he has shown, it's worth getting him 15 minutes a night just to help him develop and see what you have. But if you only give him five minutes a night, I think you guys know this as well. It's hard to be in a rhythm, especially when you're trying to prove yourself. You're going to go out there and force and probably play worse. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bryce, I'll tell you this, but he's playing 17 minutes a night. I'm just going to leave this out here because I know you're going to go into Plumley, and I don't want to take nothing out of this. But to me, I think he's playing He's playing enough when he plays in that 15 to 20-minute mark. To me, I have issues like the game against Phoenix where he played nine minutes. To me, I have issues, you know, like, like that. But otherwise, honestly, he's played 18 against Boston. He's played 15 against Boston, 20 against Milwaukee, 20 against Milwaukee. And then other than that Phoenix game, he hasn't played on the 14, 15 minute mark. So I'm pretty okay with that because I don't think he needs to be thrown in the fire. I think he makes a lot of fouls just because of his energy. I think, I don't think he's going to be a starting center at any point in his career because I see like a, almost like Kenneth Fareed type player that he's very efficient in a limited time, like, you know, in that 20 to 25 minute mark. And that's just my take on Isaiah Stewart. I love, I love the kid. I love his energy. I think he just, he's exactly what we need, but I don't think I want him playing more than 25 minutes at max. You shifted gears on me. I was talking about Sekou. No, but, but okay. But I was going, sorry. I was going to Isaiah Stewart. I definitely shift the gears right there because I was looking at Isaiah Stewart and I was looking, I was like, wait, I was like, why am I looking at this? I definitely messed that one up, Bryce. I'm sorry. I, I apologize, listeners. I'm, I was just looking at Isaiah Stewart because I was preparing for Plumlee. Bryce and I going to have a great debate going forward. <laughs> I really apologize about this. You're, Alex, Alex, he's so shook well, about this right now. He's so I, well, I am. I am so shook about this because I'm preparing my Plumlee debate. He's he's so focused on Plumlee right now. <laughs> hey, I, I've been I, I, we've been on a group test for about thirty minutes before this, and I was like, Bryce, you better prepare for Plumlee. Plumlee Stewart, Plumlee Stewart. Everybody, all these Seku fans aren't going to listen anymore because we're supposed to be talking about Seku, and you're not. You're like you're like uh, Dwayne Casey. You just leave him on the bench and don't even want to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, that's true. But uh, yeah, I apologize about that. Definitely spaced out, and, and I just I, I've been on Stewart and. Um, no, about Seku, my, my thing is, 
you know, where does it fit? Like, where do you fit him? Like, yep. as a three, as a four, as a five? Because I don't see him developing enough, and I think for him, it's just the G League stuff. It's it's the G League stuff that bothers me because I think Seku's the type of player that he needs the G League. Saban Lee are like they need the G League because they're not ready. I mean, Seku's been playing basketball for six years. I I love his potential, but do we want to force him right now in this team and they're still trying to win on the rebuild? Uh, you know, like, what's, what's the line? Because I, I think, to me, the, the line is very clear. We get rid of Blake Griffin and Seth gets the minutes. I mean, that's, 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 that's the bottom line of it. If you want Seth to get minutes, I think it's, it's that. Alex, what's, what's your take on Seku? And don't, I don't, don't go off on Stewart either, please. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus on Seku. <laughs> well, the thing is, I believe wholeheartedly that you get better by playing games. You get better by having that experience, you know, to, to go out there and fight and play with the guys, you know, all stars like Grant, that he's hopefully is going to be. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the fact that he's not getting in enough minutes to show or to, to, to gain that experience, uh, it's, it's pretty tough to get better. Obviously, you can get better, you know, off the stage, you know, or behind the stage, however you want to say it. Um, but I agree with Vlad as well. Maybe it's too early to throw him in the fire and just go there and fight and let's figure out where he can fit and stuff like that. Um, he can get better, you know, on the sides or with minutes in and there. Uh, I know a lot of people are angry that he's not getting a lot of minutes because he's been doing a decent job. But I, 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 don't, I don't know, again, what Casey's focus is right now. But I, I don't mind him playing the, the minutes he's playing so far. Bryce, you're the only one that's a coach here. Do you believe that, let's say, you have a freshman in your team. Do you believe that playing him three, four, five minutes a game is really beneficial for him? Um, I would say no. I, I Not for that season. I do think that if you have a freshman that – any kid that you think is going to be important for you the next season, that it's important to put him in a varsity basketball game. I coach at the high school level to put him in a varsity basketball game just so they get their feet wet a little bit. Um, I don't know how much it really helps okay. them, but because that's my issue with Seku right now. It's do you really put him for those five, six, seven minutes? Like, does that really help him? I, I don't know, honestly, from a per- from a player's perspective, I feel like I would be very frustrated. Yeah. And that's why – because I, I watched Seku last year in the G League, and he was really like – he was playing the five a lot, and he was doing everything from playing one-on-one, from, you know, I, all this stuff. And I love that, and I think that's where that role – like okay. he, need, so, he needs that. He needs that G League, you know, the 30-plus minutes a game where he can make a lot of mistakes because he made a lot of mistakes last year from what I watched. I think I watched like five games of the, of the, of the drive. And – him this year, you know, not having the G League, then you put him in his in his big league games, where you know it's kind of hit or miss. So, so that's the comparison then. So, so the question, the, the way to answer the question then is: Do you sacrifice a kid's junior varsity minutes just to get him three or four varsity minutes? And to answer that question, I would say no. So this go, so you know that that's where I say absolutely not. That kid needs to play thirty. We play eight minute quarters. I, I assume they do everywhere, but. You know, he needs 32 minutes of junior varsity basketball 
because he's not ready to play varsity basketball. Those are more beneficial okay. than two or three varsity. But but to, to your point then, we don't have a G League. So where's this progression going to come? So that's the conundrum that's, right now. That's that's my biggest issue. I, I don't understand. I, honestly, I just kind of expect the Pistons to to let us know why they opted out. You know, like show us the reasons why, especially when you have a rebuilding program and you have guys like Seku, like Saban Lee, possibly Isaiah Stewart, possibly Isaiah Stewart sure. that need this. You know, they, they needed the minutes. You know, so I don't – but if it's financial, then I, I can understand. You know, we're living through some tough times, and I, I, I totally understand this. But it's very hard. It's, it's very hard to find the right minutes for Seku at this point, especially if we're trying to keep Blake Griffin in – to me, it seems like we want Blake Griffin to play enough or more than enough to show that he's healthy, to show that he can help people, to hopefully get rid of him at some point. Because otherwise, I don't understand. I, I, I love the fact that he's, he, he, you know, we have him around because he's a great mentor to his kids. You know, he's a good veteran. But in the same time, what do you do? You know, what are you looking forward to? Because he's not going to stay here pass this contract and take, you know, a $20 million pay cut. Yeah, that's that's the issue. Like, everybody wants to, like, work around it. Like, the issue is Blake Griffin, not in that it's Blake Griffin, but that's where the minutes for Sekou are. The minutes for Sekou go to Blake at the four and Grant, because Grant needs to be playing the four. So he doesn't have to play the four exclusively, but he needs to be playing the four. And everybody's easy solution is we'll play Sekou at the three. Well, then you get mad because Svee's not playing. So the, there's one too many guys right now. That that's that's my answer right now is there's one too many guys. Whether it's Blake, I mean, I guess you just say uh, I, I feel like a lot of Pistons fans are saying, well, just bump Wayne Ellington out of the lineup, you know, and maybe that is the answer, and that opens up minutes, but you know, I, and I, I actually asked Rod Beard about this. I appreciate Rod Beard. I'm sure he doesn't listen to our show, so he won't hear this, but that he answers the questions we send him on Twitter and about Blake playing some at the five to open up minutes there. And he responded that he didn't feel like that was necessarily something Blake would, would probably want to do. I don't think it's the time either. Honestly, it just, I don't think he wants to do it. I don't think it's the time to do it because he, like I said, he's only 31. So I don't see him as a Carmelo Anthony at 35. Really, he has a lot of basketball left in him. Maybe non-athletic basketball, <laughs> a different, <laughs> a different Blake Griffin we, we've been accustomed to. But he's sure. he, he's been he's been very good for us. Let's let's you know just the fact that he's making you know thirty plus million dollars, and we kind of expect him to be, or we want him to be that all star that he once was. That doesn't take anything away from him being absolutely phenomenal as a mentor, as a veteran. And playing very good basketball the, overall, it's just very different than what we've been used to. The contract is the issue. If if he was exactly. making <laughs> if he was making half the money, Alex, we wouldn't be that upset with Blake Griffin. But the fact that he makes thirty plus million, you he's not giving us thirty plus million. We talk all the time about Jeremy Grant. It's all over Twitter how he went from overpaid before the season to underpaid now. Blake Griffin is makes too much money for what he's able to give. So the contract is the issue. That's true. That's true. But and, and but the thing is, we need him to play. So you know, like Vlad said, to show that he's healthy, uh, he can maybe try at some point, or maybe he maybe he needs 
some time to, I don't know, adjust to playing basketball again because, you know, he's been injured, COVID happened, all this kind of stuff happened. Maybe he's still struggling. He's changing his game. He's shooting more three-pointers now, which maybe was not his forte, but, you know, maybe he's trying to become a shooter and maybe a team wants a shooter like Griffin on, uh, on their team, you know, like maybe LeBron or I don't know who else. But uh, so far, he's not, he, he has not been the, the, the $30 million guy. What's the issue? I think that's the issue going to be with Blake going forward is, um, you know, who's going to take that risk, you know, sign him or trade for him, knowing that he's probably going to opt in next summer with a player option for another 30-plus year. You know, because if it was the last year of the contract, I think would have um, – you can get you know, something a good done. chance. Exactly, exactly. You would have a good chance of getting something done because he can help a lot of contenders. But knowing that he has a player option next summer and that, I, I mean, I wouldn't say no to it. <laughs> you know, I mean, who would? You who know, would? he's earned it. He's earned it. <laughs> so um, that's uh, that's you know that's gonna be. But since we talked about Griffin, I want to bring up Rose too. And have you guys noticed that the energy they give and the way they play seems to be a little bit better when they're fresh and after a few days off? Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense, obviously, with vets. And it seems like they've worked that into when they play and when they don't. It seems like they both get rest days or, or something along those lines. I know Rose's was because he took a bump to the knee. But but that makes sense. And here's my thing. I think Alex is a huge fan of Derrick Rose. He has been all year. And and I am too to a, to an extent. I know, like I feel, I feel like I just pick out players you guys like and then try to put them down. So I'm gonna be, the, I'm, I'm gonna be the guy disliked out of the three of us. But Derrick Rose does play well. Here's my my one issue with Derrick Rose is, I feel like he he takes care of the ball the whole time. Not takes care, has the ball in his hands the whole time and takes a lot of shots. And so when he's out there with a lineup like in the Heat game with all the young guys, I kind of got frustrated that he was dominating the ball and taking all the shots and not giving it, not getting it to the young guys. Yeah, and I understand that. But now I come back to the question, do you think, are we, are we still looking to trade him or not? What's your take? Because I think the way we use Derrick Rose right now, we want to get the best out of him in order to trade him. Well, that would make sense, right? Like, he's pretty much auditioning for a contender's second unit point guard spot. I mean, Dwayne Casey can say whatever he wants about why he doesn't start him. But, I mean, you can have a minutes restriction whether you start or not. Like, Zion Williamson was on a minutes restriction last year. He still started. So, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, yeah, maybe maybe they're trying to prove like, hey, Derrick Rose can come off the bench and drop 20 points like he did last night, you know, trade for him if if you're if you need a, a second unit point guard. So that would make a lot of sense. What made a lot of sense was at the beginning of the season, obviously he played well, uh, but the main thing was that he will mentor Hayes. And now with yes. Hayes being gone, you know, he he's still playing well. Um, but like you guys said, maybe a trade can be more beneficial for the team in the future. I mean Okay, but do we chase more draft picks? I feel like everybody's chasing draft pick right now, and we're gonna get in the Harden trade. But I feel like just it's just a chase for draft picks. I'm like, just players just go, get cut, move. They they don't even care. It's like just I, I a. Would, 
I would rather him trade for a young, you know, a, a somebody, just a young player that maybe we can develop, like take another flyer on somebody, another risk like we did on Josh Jackson. Another here's Josh the, Jackson. I was going to say that. Yes. Yeah. But OK, but here's the problem. You can't trade him until you figure out what's happening with Killian Hayes, because if we trade Derrick Rose right now, we're starting DeLon Wright at the one and it's either Frank Jackson or Saban Lee in the second unit which I have nothing wrong with those guys getting minutes, but I don't know that that's a situation we necessarily want to get into. Okay, then where do you draw the line on, since this is a good time to bring up that quote, where do you draw the line about rebuilding and winning in the rebuild? Because to me, that's what it is about, right? So we're still trying to win. That's why we still have Derrick Rose around and we don't actively, you know, it is January. It's, it's past the middle of January. So... We don't actively try to trade Rose or Griffin from what we've heard. So then where do you draw the line on winning on the rebuild? Because I feel like this is what it's about. Because like you said, we're going to trade Derrick Rose. And if you trade Derrick Rose for somebody else, clearly you're going to lose more games. I don't think it's plus minus five. That's what I see it. You know, maybe with Derrick Rose, we're going to win more five more games. With some other young point guard, we're going to win five less. That's how I see it. So where do you draw the line? I mean, I, I guess the the cop-out answer is it depends on what he can actually demand. Would I trade, trade Derrick Rose for a second-round pick? Knowing that probably not. But if you can get a legit like flyer on a guy, Josh, Josh Jackson-type player that you really believe could be a future part of the rotation, then to me that is worth it. I think it also depends on what Troy Weaver believes in his scouting and um, draft pick ability. I know we're going to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I think part of their thing is they draft really well. The San Antonio Spurs draft really well. So he may value a second-round pick. Some teams don't value second-round picks at all. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, Troy Weaver may not because he said he traded a whole bunch of second-round picks to get Isaiah Stewart. So... Um, so well, I, we talked about sh- his aggressiveness, right, Bryce? So, yes. and Alex, so let's say this. Troy Weaver said, I don't put my toe in the water. I ride in the front of the roller coaster with my hands up. My clip is always empty. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Shots fired. I love this. I, I'm all brilliant. for it. But now get, get Rose and Griffin out of here. <laughs> empty the clip. Empty, empty the, the clip. clip. <laughs> Go ahead. Get your... Get your bullets out. Get empty the clip. I'm sorry, but to me, that's what that quote was about. At the end of the day, it's like, okay, you're swinging for the fences, but to me, for us to swing for the fences, we really need Rose and Griffin out of here, and not because they're not good enough. They're great. They're great mentors. They're great players, but they just don't fit what we need right now, and that frustrates me the most. And I understand, honestly, I don't think we would have won the three games that we would have won that Blake was not playing so good. You know, like, it's just because he's he's been playing very good for us lately, and and I have to give him that. You know, he's been playing at a low post. He's been creating more. He's been very, very solid. You know, he's, he's been that kind of just, you know, the bet that you want. But if you want to empty the clip and go for it, I feel like you got to get rid of him. I mean, what do you guys think? Should we pull the trigger before, let's say, you know, middle of February? Because I mean, it's a seventy. It's it's not an eighty-two game season, so it's not like we have a ton of time. 
I think I think we should pull the trigger on on Rose if Killian comes back, and it seems more and more likely that he's not having surgery. I assumed if it, if I assume this is a complete assumption that if he was going to have surgery, he would already have that scheduled or had it done or whatever. So sounds like we're going to take the non-surgery approach. I I just don't think there's any way we trade Blake Griffin. Like I just don't see any. I don't I don't think you can like. And I don't mean that I don't want to. I still do. I don't think anybody wants him. I almost I just, fell off my chair, Bryce. <laughs> I, I almost I, fell off my chair. You just I've ruined a, the whole thing. I've done a complete 180 on this. And it's not because I've changed my mind about what I think we should do. It's about what can you do. Like, I honestly think, like, I honestly think if we wanted to trade Blake Griffin, we would have to attach Spee to him or Sekou or somebody like that to make it worth the, it uh, make it worth it to the other mm-hmm. team because the contract is just too much the only way the only way you get him traded is and I don't know how all this works is if he would agree if a team saw him in their long term plans and he could agree to some sort of extension where it brought the cap number down you know like I don't know if that could work out like where he got some long term security but maybe less. I don't know how that works in the NBA necessarily. So I, I don't think it's happening. I think we're stuck with Blake Griffin, and I hope he'll continue to play in the post and have games like he had last night. So do you think we're stuck with him next season too, or just this one? Absolutely. I, the the only way you trade him next season is if you just find a team that's taking on salaries. But usually, when you trade a guy to a team like that, you're attaching something with him. Again, they they need some advantage or they need some something to sweeten the pot to take on the contract. I th- I think Blake Griffin is a Detroit Piston for the rest of this year and next year. Oof. Well, ethical there, out of me. Yeah, and now let's go. Uh, all our listeners can just rewind about 15 minutes ago when I went off of Stewart. So <laughs> <laughs> now, now it's about time uh, that you guys say your piece about Stewart Plumley, and uh, I'll go straight to Bryce with this one because I know he's uh, he's big on it. Um, you know, first of all, what's your what's what are your thoughts on Stewart from what you've seen this first ten games? I mean, and then also how how is that related to Plumley? Because I think that's what it is for you, Bryce. It's they're related. No. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> I can't even talk right now. I'm so frustrated. So I love Isaiah Stewart. I, I don't want to talk about Mason Plumlee yet. I'm too happy right now. I don't want to get upset. So <laughs> I, I love Isaiah Stewart. I love him. And he had his double-double yesterday, kind of a coming out party for him. He's played really well. And you can see him getting better. So the it, and we hope to see the skill level continue. We've talked about this a lot. The free throw shot looks decent. There's the video of him shooting corner threes. He actually shot a three a couple games ago. He missed. People would have exploded. Like Pistons Twitter would have gone (laughs) insane. And what I love, I tweeted out the other day, he's going to become the most hated player in the league, but we love him. And that's probably the most light tweet Motor City Hoops has got because everybody around the league already hates him, which makes makes me love him anymore. So I, I would say if I have one critique of his game right now, I would really like to see him defensive rebound at the rate he offensive rebounds. Um, but the guy has played great for the 18th pick. And uh, I'd like to hear what Alex has to say about Isaiah Stewart before I go off on Plumlee. And then we just get in a fight and the show goes No, wait, wait. I have, I have more sense of Stewart because I feel like – now I don't want anybody to get wrong. If you go listen to like the first two or three episodes, I've been very high on Stewart from day one. 
and he's been producing. He's been producing a little bit faster than I expected because for usually for bigs, it's a little bit tougher. You know, they might be, you know, it's just the height issue. Is it the strength issue? Athleticism, you know, th- those things really matter a lot more than for a guard, I think. So I didn't expect Stewart to play this well this soon. But in the same time, I go back to what I said earlier uh, about his minutes. I'm pretty happy with his minutes overall. I think for for, for sure. to play 20, 22 minutes, I think that's great for him. And he does need to kind of just uh, relax a little bit on making fouls. But Alex, what's yeah. your take on Stewart? Yeah, that one one of the things uh, I wanted to mention was his fouls. He needs to relax. But he's he's a high energy guy. I feel like he's just out there. He's young. He wants to prove that he can play, and he's been doing a great job increasing his minutes every game. Um, and, you know, he had a double-double last night, which was uh, great for him. Uh, we want him to, to, to develop in, a, in a, maybe a backup or eventually a starting center. Why not? Um, and, he, you know, he's doing a great job. He took a big leap. I remember we were talking about maybe he's not getting enough minutes at the beginning of the season. We want to see more. Now we're seeing more, and he's delivering, and I love it. Bryce, let me go back to you on this uh, Stewart thing. And do you see him as – I said it already, so <laughs> I have to repeat myself. But what do you see him going forward, you know, three, four years down the road? Can he be a Ben Wallace-type player no, where he's so, a starter? Or no, is he coming off the bench like a Kenneth Fareed-type no, player? I, I think Alex hit on it a few episodes ago. I think he's more Kenneth Fareed than Ben Wallace. My ultimate hope for Isaiah Stewart is he's Kenneth Fareed with a jump shot. Like that. that's what I really Ooh. hope. Uh, you know that, that he that's the starting I, sense right there. Yeah, and and I'm not talking about a Brook Lopez. You know, Brook Lopez shoots at a super high rate. I'm not sure he gets there. That's not what I'm expecting. I'm just saying, like, you have to guard him at the three point line because if you don't, he can knock it down. I hope he becomes the starting center, and I actually agree with you right now for his minutes. I think he plays so freaking hard that I don't know that he could play more minutes because I've se- you can tell he's tired at times. So. I don't think he's going to be a guy, even if he does start, that plays a ton, a ton of minutes. You're going to have to have a quality backup center even when he does become the starter because of the way he plays and how physical he is. But to me, his floor, I truly believe this, his floor is a 10 and 10 guy because he's going to get enough offensive rebounds and putbacks, you know, but his ceiling is, you know, he can go get you 16 because he can hit two threes along with that. He's a relentless rebounder. And he can test things. And I think he's athletic enough to switch on the perimeter in pick and roll situations. So I really, really like the kid. And I hope I'm not just too high on him and he just, you know, has already plateaued. But I hope he continues to work on his game. You know, yeah, he'll be he'll be there. Exactly. Big big guys take time to develop. I know that from my side. It just takes a little bit of time. When I came in as a freshman in college, you know, I was shy and I was whatever. By the time my senior year was done, I was a different person, different player. So it it will take some time for him to adjust to the NBA, uh, you know, not pick up those fouls, but he'll get there for sure. Absolutely. And uh, he's he's still young. We have to remember that. And uh, Bryce, go ahead. Go off and play. Is it time? Is it time? It's time, time, Bryce. It's time. Let me hear it. Why do you you want to trade Plumlee, Bryce? This is what I want to know. Why do you want to trade Plumlee? your clip. So people are going to be disappointed. I was thinking about this before the show because I'm not going to do the not to like drop big names. I'm not going to do like the Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless thing where I'm just going to like 
I'm going to go way off on one side just so we can argue and our listeners like have something to hear us argue about. Like, I'm not going to do that thing. Like, I'm not about that. So I'm going to keep it real with exactly how I feel about it. I don't think Mason Plumlee's a bad player. And I don't even, I'm not even saying he should be out of the starting lineup. I'm not saying we should definitely trade him. I don't think we should, I'm not saying he should play less minutes because you're right. Stewart's getting enough minutes. What I'm saying is there's two to five times a game where I almost break my phone watching the game (laughs) because he takes some stupid shot. And then my six-year-old son comes over to me and he's like, dad, why are you yelling at your phone? And why, you know, like an idiot. And I'm like, because Mason Plumlee did something stupid. Well, why did he used to do something stupid, Dad? Probably because he's from Duke. That's why he did something stupid. <laughs> oh, so, oh my God! Well, so we go, so, so we go off on Coach K too, not just Plumley. Oh, yeah, God. both, both of them. No, so was that too far? No, I, 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 I Plumley's fine. Just get rid of him dribbling the ball up in transition. Transition. Get rid of the isolations. And I know you're going to come back at me. Well, it's not his fault. Well, you know what? If I would have got the ball in a, at American in an isolation situation, I would have found Derek Mercer. I would have said, Derek, come get the ball. That was our point guard, player of the year, Patriot League player of the year. Come get the ball and get this thing out of my hands because I am uncomfortable. Like, that's all I ask. See, Take oh, that stuff. With that, I can agree, Bryce. With that, okay. I can agree. I don't think there's any room for Plumley isolations. Not now, not in the future. <laughs> so that we agree on. But to get him traded, he costs $8 million, Bryce. He's, I know. he's top 20 in rebounding. I mean, he does everything for us. He's top, he's in the, you know, his PER, he's top four in the team. So I think for that price tag, for to have him three years, because the way I see it, this Plumlee thing, I don't see him as the future center of this franchise. I see him, I see him as a three year rental where Stewart gets these minutes. And by year three, if Stewart is a starting center, he can start over him. Like, not an issue because he, you know, Plumlee is not 20 plus million. And, you know, he, it's not going to be a Blake Griffin type situation, right? So it's going to be a, okay, he, Plumlee can come off the bench. He's 30 year contract. He only makes 8 mil. So it, it's not the end of the year. You know, it's, it's not the end of the, the world for us. So that's how I see it. That's why I see the value of it. I see the value of his good screens. You know, I think, and there's always, you know, Blake said this today. Earlier today, this is Sunday, January 17th, and he said, with young players, you can pick up bad habits if you don't have good veterans. And I think for Stewart, Plumlee is a pretty good veteran as far as setting screens, as far as rebounding, boxing out, being, being in the right position, you know, pass, yes, passing. So I think he's, he, he, that's why I love Plumlee. As far as his role on the team, I love what he does for this team. I don't think he needs his role expanded. I don't think he needs to play isolation. I don't think you know any of that, <laughs> so I, I agree with you on that. But I don't, I don't see the value of him being traded right now either. And I know you mentioned that on Twitter. That's why I wanted to bring it up because <laughs> yeah. I was, I was heated about that. I was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> Bryce! I, I think I was trying to trade him to the Nets. Was I trying? Is that who I was trying to trade him to? The Nets? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just trying to get him a ring, right? Brooklyn's gonna win it all now, so I'm just trying to get, <laughs> I'm trying to get your boy well, a ring. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. 
Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Let's transition to um, to around the NBA. You know, it's it's probably um, you know a fan favorite from what, what we've uh, we've heard, and we'll start with the COVID issues, guys. And uh, you know that's been uh, you know that, that's been tough. Just it's, it's been tough for the Pistons to kind of have the game canceled, but so many teams, and I believe upwards of of twelve or thirteen games were were canceled last week, if I'm not mistaken. And what's your take on that? They put new rules in. But honestly, I love the rule of just adding players to your rosters because I feel that's the only the only way you're going to get out of the season without a bubble. If you have a 20-man roster, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's tough, to me, honestly. What do you guys think about all this COVID stuff and games being canceled left and right? It's tough. It's tough because... You know, you want to see players uh, play, and uh, you, if you cannot play because you you don't have enough guys, or you you have just enough guys to play, that's not beneficial for your team. And you know, you you can bring maybe some young players, and who knows, maybe you're gonna catch or have a surprise guy that's gonna just blow everybody up. And there you go, there's your gem, you know. But you know, you need you need enough players to have in your roster so you can rotate or replace guys that. Uh, you know, maybe are hit by the COVID or whatnot. And, you know, because we have so many back-to-back games, injuries are going to happen, as we've seen. And somebody needs to replace them as well. So I think the, that rule is very beneficial. That's, what, do you, that, what do you think, Bryce? Yeah, as I said, that, that's a great point, guys. And I hadn't really considered that as much. But the roster expansion, I do feel like, would cause a lot of or, – or, or solve a lot of problems because a lot of these games that have been canceled – hasn't necessarily because they've had no players to play. It's just because they couldn't get to the league minimum of eight players to play. So if you had 20 guys and you said, we're going to take these eight guys and they're going to practice on the other end of the court or whatever, they're going to stay in a different hotel. So that way they're ready to go along with whatever four or five or, you know, however the close contact stuff is working out. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but here's my thing. There's no right answers for this. I have a wife who is, has worked at the very front of this. She works in the medical profession. And and I want to make sure our listeners know we're not talking about the health situation with all of this. They've decided to play. And so we're going to talk about just whether or not they're playing games. Whether you think they should be at all or not is a completely different discussion. And if some people don't think they should at all with what's going on, that that's a completely fair opinion. So we're just talking about actually how do you make the games happen. I think I feel like that's what we should talk about here. Um, exactly, exactly what I'm talking but, about too. Yes, you're yeah, right. Yeah, and so, but I think we've seen other sports navigate it. The NFL, like people thought the same thing with the NFL. Major League Baseball at the very start of their season went through the same thing. NCAA football, NCAA basketball. Like our school, American, has only played two games, Vlad, so far because of when they got to start to play, and then their first game didn't happen because of testing and some other stuff. 
Everybody is navigating it and figuring it out. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. I played a high school bass coach in a high school basketball game two nights ago where the only the te- other team where the other team only had six kids because their entire JV and C team roster was close contacts. It just is what it is this year, but they're gonna figure it out. Yeah, and Bryce, I'll tell you this from my own experience. You know, our whole te- our whole team had COVID around October, and we haven't had issues since then. So. At the end of the day, you know, you're looking at a Boston, Miami, they might be good for the season in this in this sense where they don't have any more COVID cases. For sure. So it might be just, okay, this team gets it now, the other team gets it later. So you can't really, you know, you can't really plan for it. So I think that's the toughest part. And um, But I do see the, you know, positive side of it as far as look at the 76ers, you know, and you have somebody step up. It might be a rookie stepping up, sco- scoring 40, right? And, you know, next man up. In this situation, it kind of has to be the next man up. And that's why it's so hard to make predictions this year, I think, as far as, you know, who's you know, who's going to make the playoffs or who's going to be in the playing game or, you know, how do you win on a rebuild? And this is how we can transition to OKC stuff because – you might win on a rebuild because, you know, the other team has seven or eight guys. So you go and win two games back-to-back, oh, great. <laughs> and that can mess up your lottery or whatever. And um, it, it's a really odd year. That's why I think, um, you know, we just have to be happy that we have basketball. And if a game yes. gets canceled, so yes. be it. We, we wait and, you know, they're going to make it up. They're going to figure out, you know, Adam Silver has been brilliant about the bubble and I'm sure he's going to figure out how this is going to work too. Because re- really, this is uncharted territory for a lot for the NBA. And and they, they built in, they only released the first half of the season schedule for this, I would assume, for this very reason. So they, they only released half the schedule because they knew they were going to have to make up some games and have games canceled and postponed and all of that. And so they built their timeline in to be able to make these games up, get everything they can, all the games in for, to be, a, you know, keep the competitive advantages as, as tight as possible. And th- they're going to make it through it. Like, you know, I, I keep seeing, you know, whenever, every time a game gets canceled, Twitter blows up. Oh, they're about to announce that they're going to shut down for two weeks or the NBA season's <laughs> over. And, and I understand that reaction. I, I, I really do because it can get very frustrating and everybody's so tired of dealing with COVID and, you know, God bless those that have had to deal with, you know, bigger issues with COVID because, you know, there's people out there, you know, Carl Anthony Towns being one of those, like, you know, be with his family right now. But we're going to figure the NBA is going to not we the NBA is going to figure it out. We're going to have a season. We're going to get through the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And since, you know, the second part is not released, I wonder if there's even a consideration for a bubble for another bubble. For sure, you know regional bubbles. I've heard multiple, multiple. Saw that as well. Uh, yeah, m- multiple cases or scenarios for for this. And uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on you know just Weaver trying to w- you know win on a rebuild, but also just Sam Prest is is doing the same thing in OKC. You know they work together. Do you think this is the right way to do it? Honestly, this is my biggest question, my biggest uh, worry sometimes. Uh, do you think this is the right way to, to rebuild, to, to still try to win every single game you're in? Well, it's, 
<laughs> again, we come to that line. We just, we just talk, you know, where do you draw the line? Um, and I feel like if you have to have, uh, you have to ask the question, you're rebuilding for what or to do what to win, right? That's, that's what you want to do. And I feel like the way you rebuild is to try to win as many games as possible. But the only way you, you win long term is to develop your players. And in order to do that, they need to play. And uh, if, if you have young players, you cannot win because maybe they don't have the experience or whatnot. Um, so it's really tough for me to answer. But I think OKC is doing a great job so far because they have that strength in numbers. I think I counted they have around 10 guys that average 15 minutes or more on the roster. Uh, and, you know, that, that, that's huge especially with the COVID stuff we are going on right now, because, you know, if one guy goes down, next man step up. And, you know, obviously they have uh, Alexander who's playing great. He's having 21 points per game. And uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I mean, I'm a big fan of it. Honestly, I'm a big fan of it because you want to instill the winning mentality in your, in your exactly. younger players, you know? So, if if that means you know you lose a few um, you know a few spots in the draft rankings, I mean I'm fine with it. Bryce, what's your take on that one? Yeah, I mean, so I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are in an interesting situation. They can try to win because they have everybody else's first round pick in the league. So they don't just have their own first round <laughs> pick in the 2021 draft. They have True. everybody else's first round pick too. So if they fall, if they end up with the tenth pick, they're still. I mean, they they have. 17 first round picks in what like the next five years or something like it's insane what they've stockpiled which probably they don't end up making selections with all those but if they want to end up get to the number one pick or the number two pick or trade all these picks for not James Harden but somebody else you know they have the assets to do it so I I do think it allows them to go out and try to quote unquote win games at a higher rate than another team in a rebuild like the Pistons who only have their own first round pick. Okay. I see what you're saying. I think you have, you know, there, there's some truth there. Um, but to me, I do like that. And I trust Weaver a lot from, from day one. I thought it was a, it was a great hire and that's why I kind of just, you know, roll with it, but you do have a point that Oklahoma City has a lot more first-round picks than we do in the next uh, three or four years. But now that you mentioned Harden, and uh, there's been a lot of picks traded, um, I just feel fooled, guys, because uh, about two episodes <laughs> ago, uh, about two episodes ago, I think he just, you know, I lost it on Harden. I was like, oh, he's fat, he's this. And then um, I looked last night, and he, loses, he lost shot. about 40 pounds. He lost about 40 40, 50 pounds overnight. I don't know about Photoshop, right? <laughs> the NBA, uh, NBA app on game time. You know, I don't think that that the screen was photoshopped. He was <laughs> he was pretty chubby in that Pistons uniform, in, uh, in the Pistons uniform, in the in the Rockets uniform. Uh, and then last night he looked um, fresh. So, what's your take? Uh, clearly, the Nets won this trade already. <laughs> I call it now. <laughs> so, I mean, so that's what everybody likes to do, right? Who's the winner? Who's the loser of the trade? And, and I thought somebody – I have a group chat with all the guys from AU that we that we used to play with. And somebody answered it very, very easily. If the Nets win a championship, the Nets win the trade. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. If the Nets don't win a championship, then the Rockets probably win the trade. Because they're probably – I mean, they're going to acquire some assets and some talent. 
I don't know, what they get? Four first round picks and four pick swaps. And then I think they end up with Victor Oladipo. Like they ended up flipping him. Who's a rental? Yeah, who? He's a rental. Okay, so not to like get off. up. Yeah, the, why did they do that? I'm confused. What, what's why? Well, I would rather I think, have Karis was, Levert. Well, first of all, let's uh, you know. I think I want to send my prayers up for for Levert. He's, he's yes, uh, yes, absolutely. I think they're talking about he might be, you know, having some issues with cancer and stuff like that. But hopefully, he's okay. To me, I think Oladipo, he has to stay in Houston. There might be a little bit some deeper there that we don't know. Because if I was Houston, I don't see why you would trade, further trade something along. Okay, I understand Oladipo went out of Indiana, but if you're Houston, why do you really trade for Oladipo right now, who's your fourth month rental because his contract is up? So, so then, well, you know, what's the point if you're Houston? Because you don't try to win now. You don't have the yeah. roster to win now. So, so I think Oladipo might stay in Houston, is, is my guess. So that's what's weird. Cause so I was listening to Sirius XM radio, which I was telling you guys about last Sunday. You know, I made a major goof on Twitter and then ended <laughs> up it ended up getting Motor City Hoops name dropped on Sirius XM radio channel 86. But Brian Geltzinger at Hoops Critic, who gave us some love and and all of that, and then him and Sam Mitchell have a show. And they were talking about Oladipo leaving this su- this summer then to go play in Miami. And they were talking about what because that, I don't know the, the, their Ooh. sources or whoever they know said that's where Oladipo wants to be is in Miami. So like this whole thing is like I don't get any of it, and I don't know. Going back to the Nets, like man, I hope that thing flops. I'm just gonna be straight up honest. Like <laughs> James Harden, Kyrie, James Harden, Kyrie. Like I really like Kevin Durant. I really do, but. I don't, I don't see how that works at all. Maybe Kyrie's not going to come back and play, though. I think James Harden just bamboozled everybody. I think, <laughs> I think other than KD and Kyrie, everybody, you know, I think they were in on this one for sure. You, you know, think James Harden I, doesn't just, even like strip clubs? He was just going to force the trade? No, nah, I think that's just, uh, <laughs> that's just something that James Harden does. But I think they accept that in Brooklyn more than in Houston. Than in Houston. <laughs> no, but I think long-term – they needed the Nets needed to pull the trigger on something to keep KD there long term uh, because Kyrie seems um, I don't uh, unstable to put it at best he 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 does not seem very stable so they need another superstar to make you know KD be like okay like I'm here forever whatever it is you know and that's why they pull this this trigger and um, I don't know how Steve Nash is gonna work this out though. I really don't see enough basketballs going around. I, I don't know. May, or maybe they just each take 30 shots and nobody else just shoots the ball. Who knows? Yeah, well, that's that's one of the memes that are going on around the internet. They, they're just going to play ice ball, and they're going to just take turns every time. Just dribble, <laughs> dribble, dribble, right? Like Chuck said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough. But I do see a winner in this trade. You know who it is? The Cavs. No, Joe Harris. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> honestly, <laughs> Bryce, <laughs> Bryce, think about it. If you play with KD, Kyrie, and Harden, you ain't going to touch the ball. And, and, and you're a three-point shooter. Oh, he shot four for nine last night. And trust me, he's going to shoot eight, nine threes. He might be the only other guy shooting. And they're going to be <laughs> wide know? open, too, because you're going to have to put all your attention. And, and that's on what I'm saying, teams. right? So, like, 
on extra pass, do you really want to help off KD? No. Do you want to help off Hart? No. So you can leave arguably one of the best spot shooters in the league. And I think Joe Harris is going to be the winner of this trade where he's going to shoot upwards of 50, 55% from three. And then he's just going to skyrocket. His own stock is going to skyrocket. I don't know if the Nets are going to win. I, I don't know. I think that's... I have a lot of questions about it. I want to see Kyrie on the floor with them. I think Harden and KD together. We've seen them before, okay. and we've seen that they can. We've seen they can play together, right? With Kyrie, you add another one thousand and five dribbles per game. So it's you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's enough shock. You know, I, I, I would just, you know, <laughs> just. You know, there's just not enough basketballs to go around between Kyrie and Harden, honestly. And KD's very efficient with his dribble, but Kyrie and Harden just, you know, they like it like 20 dribbles per possession. But I do like Jaren Al going to Cleveland, especially with Drummond on the way out. So Cleveland did a good job of kind of just getting out nice out this trade, you know, just um, solid, honestly. And yeah. Bryce, around yeah. the NBA, last thing that I want to touch on. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I thought, you know, the Cavs aren't even really talked about in it, and they probably shouldn't. But, yeah, it was a nice little piece they picked up. Like, they probably picked up their future center and now can probably trade Andre Drummond uh, for another asset. So, I think they sneaky, like, and Torian Prince isn't a bad player. Like, they sneaky, like, obviously no reason to grab the headlines, but had a solid, you know, contribution in this in this trade. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, Bryce, last thing I want to talk about around the NBA, you know, I want to close it off with the Hawks. What is going on? I'm, I'm trying to figure it out because I would have some interest right there. Can we can we, can we bring uh, John Collins here somehow? Absolutely. One because I'm a huge that, – that's what I'm thinking, like, right? I'm, I'm a big fan of, of his – and, uh, you know, he hasn't been a big fan of Trey Young's lately. So Apparently they we, got in an argument during a film session or something. Yeah, and it, it keeps going back and forth, and it was a hot start. And, you know, this is a good transfer for us. To, we're going to play him next week again. But, you know, what's your take on the Hawks right now? I can't really figure them out. I, I thought they started the season great, and I was really high on them. A lot of shooting, you know, Gallinari, Bogdanovich can shoot the ball. Collins has been very good. You know, and Trey Young being Trey Young, but they kind of just, uh, I don't know, slow down. They just, uh, it's, they're struggling. It's sound, I mean, they, they've been hit with the injury bug a little bit. Some of those guys haven't been playing, have been hurt. Sounds like chemistry has been an issue between Young and Collins. Collins turned down the contract offer. Sounds like he wants to go get really paid this offseason. And then, you know, everybody has made light of the comment. Um, was it Nash? Was it Nash that said that wasn't basketball about Trey Young drawing all the fouls? Um, yes. I think it was, I think it was, Steve it was Nash. Nash and uh, something, but they, they both complained yeah. about it. And so, you know, it seems like his free throw attempts have gone down since then. And, and so he just hasn't been able to sustain that high level of play. So I don't know, because I was high on them. I mean, I really thought they were going to be not contend for a championship, but I really, I really liked that roster. I really did, and it just doesn't seem to be clicking right now. Yeah, if we go back about four episodes, you know, I think all of us were raving about the Hawks and how well they were playing and their hot start. And now, looking at it, um, you know, I'm not so sure that uh, we were right. We're kind of getting used to these predictions to kind of being wrong. So <laughs> that's, a, that's our <laughs> that's our thing. 
We, we're, <laughs> That's we're, it, right? <laughs> we, we jinx everything we talk about. We talked about Markel Fultz. God bless him. He got hurt. We talked about the Hawks. They went into a slump. We say, you guys predict <laughs> that they're, we're going to go two and two. We go own four. Guys, we, I, I just realized we talked about Stewart today. Oh, God. Hopefully. Oh, hopefully no. <laughs> hopefully we didn't ruin that for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, actually that's a good transition. You know, I want to bring up the Hawks anyways because we played them next week. And, um, you know, we have the Heat again. Uh, we have the Hawks. We have the Rockets and the 76ers. The first game against the 76ers until the next time we record – and uh, it seems like a little bit of a tough, tough stretch for us. And from now on, I just wanted to let you guys know, all of our listeners, uh, we're kind of have this show going as far as we're going to recap the games. Then we're going to talk general Pistons ideas. And uh, then we're going to go around the league. And uh, that will be about it as um, we move forward. We, we thought this was uh, the best decision for, for us as a group. And uh, without predictions, because we're pretty bad at it, right, Bryce? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, so we're not going to make any predictions for for this upcoming games, also because it's very hard to really to look at the rosters, Bryce, right? And Alex, to look at the rosters and okay, we play in the Heat, but then again, who plays for the Heat? You know, how how can I, you know, how can we say something that um, I just feel like it's it's right and legit and. Uh, we chose at least for this season, uh, this COVID season, to, to go this route, and I hope you guys, uh, you guys understand us. So now going forward, we would appreciate if you guys follow us on uh, Twitter. Bryce is our uh, <laughs> Bryce is very active on Twitter. I even comment against him or at him all the time because <laughs> he like he likes to piss me off for some reason <laughs> every now and then. So our that's Twitter handle is that's, that's, we're supposed to we're supposed to argue true. right. Yeah, I don't know. So, so we're just gonna go the the Skip Bayless and Sharp uh, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our Twitter handle is Motor City Hoops. Then, if you're gonna go over to Instagram, is Motor City Hoops Pod, and then you can also find us on, um, of course, any major Apple, Spotify, you know, Google Podcast, all this stuff, and you can also find us on Facebook where I'm the most active. So it depends who you want to talk to, I guess. <laughs> uh, if you want Bryce's opinion, you'll find him on Twitter. Alex is the one taking her care of Instagram, and I'm the one taking her Facebook. And we appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.